Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. The song says you are worthy of it all, for from you are all things and to you are all things. So my question this morning is where do you actually stand with that truth? We can obviously recognize that from God are all things, but do we recognize that we're going to give all things, to God all things? Are we giving all to God? I know for me, there's been seasons in my life where I did not treat God as such, that he was worthy of it all. And maybe some of you might find yourself in that season this morning, or maybe you've, you've gotten out of it. But just to, to give a little bit of weight and some emphasis to this, is that there was a recent study done in 2019 by Lifeway Research in which we were told that 66%, two out of three American young adults who had attended a Protestant church for at least a year as a teenager would also disconnect from the church for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. I want you to to tuck that away in the back of your head for just a minute. We're, gonna, we're actually going to return to it shortly. And while you're thinking about that, I want to catch us up on where we are in this series. We started this sermon series titled Better, How to Win at Home, seven weeks ago. And that wasn't by accident. We were super intentional in the fact that we knew coming up on the last Sunday of this series, which is today, we would be bumping up against Thanksgiving, a holiday in which we are thankful, hopefully, so the, the series was designed with the idea, again, that we're going to come up, we're going to be at Thanksgiving, and hopefully what you would learn and what you would hear from the stage during those weeks, the spiritual disciplines, maybe some of the behavioral changes, that you would apply those to your life, you would obey God in them, and that maybe, just maybe, you would start to see some winning at home coming up to Thanksgiving. And if you didn't see any winning from home and you did implement those things, hopefully that it was at least trending in that direction. The ultimate desire, I think, as staff, we often ask when we're planning through series, what is the desired outcome? The desired outcome from this series was at the bare minimum that you would at least invite God, that you would welcome him into this part of your life, that you would welcome him into your homes. And that when you do that, you would actually see and witness God transforming your home in a way that only God could do it. So Pastor Don, he started the sermon out, the series out in the first week talking about a core belief that we as Christians, all Christians believe, and that includes us here at Mountain View Fellowship. And that is simply that God can restore and God can redeem everything. That as we go through life, Many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us as we grow up, we think that we're going to have the perfect life. We're going to have the perfect spouse. We're going to have the perfect marriage. We're going to have the perfect kids. We're going to have the perfect home. That everything's going to be perfect. And that was illustrated, actually, if you guys remember if you were here, there was a beautifully constructed 
Lego house on this table. And that was that perfect life and that perfect image that we thought we had. But then, if you also remember, right next to that house was another one that wasn't quite so beautifully constructed. As a matter of fact, that one was in shambles. That one was broken. It was damaged. It was in need of repair. And that if we were honest with ourselves and we reflected upon it, that that actually, that home represented us more than the beautifully constructed one. And in our acknowledgement of that, that we would do something with it. And that something, Pastor Don said is, would you offer it, would you be willing to offer that up to God? Would you offer him all that brokenness? Will you offer him all that ugliness, all that hurt, all that pain, Will you offer the messiness and the not perfect home to God? And if you did, and if you surrendered in that, that God again would restore and redeem it. He would make it something beautiful. Then the following week, we heard about foundation issues. And this message, the idea was simply that there is nothing in this world that is better than Jesus to build our foundation upon that Jesus ought to be our foundation. Our foundation in our personal lives, our foundation in our marriages, our foundation in our relationships, our foundation all-encompassing. And that if we instead chose to try to build on something else, that when the storms of life came, because they will, when those storms came, that the lives around us, our relationships, our spouses, our kids, those things would be in shambles, they would crumble. And then the week after that, we actually talked about circles. And this one, the idea behind this was that every one of us has a circle. As we go through life, we have a circle. And that circle represents the people that we allow into our lives, those that will have influence and those that will have a voice. And it's not just us, but our children also have circles where there are people that have influence and a voice in their lives. And then as we start out with them as young children, it starts out where we have a ton of control. We're able to control who they hang out with and who has influence in their lives and who is included in their circle. But as they begin to mature, that, that control, it, it changes to where we're no longer having as much of that. As a matter of fact, we become a consultant. We're able to maybe speak into their lives, maybe to have influence. And that if we live out biblical principles, if we we are spiritually maturing in our own faith and it's done well, that as our children turn into their 20s and their 30s and where they're having their own families, that they'll still invite us to their table to have influence and a voice. The week after that, Pastor Mike, he came up here and he talked about synaptic pruning. Really big word, but the gist of it was that who our children are and who we are are directly reflected by the things that we think and again, the people that we allow to surround us. And if we were to be intentional to instead think about godly things, to think about God, to think about the things that are true and honorable and pure and lovely, that we would become more and more like Christ and be a better reflection of who God is to those that are around us. And then last week, Pastor Don shared with us, or no, no, it wasn't last week. This is the one, it was, uh, it was a pretty impactful one. If you guys are here, um, he talked about glowing rectangles. And if you did not hear that message, if you were not here for that, I would encourage you to go and listen because it was profound. And simply put, that one has the idea that we only have 
4,745 plus or minus days with our kids from the time they're in kindergarten until they graduate 12th grade. So almost 5,000 days. And then he proceeded to break that down. Of those 5,000 days, 33% of them are spent sleeping on average. 25% of those days are spent with us at work. Now, those two items, they're the largest, and they're not in and of themselves bad. All they indicate is that those are times in which we don't have influence in our family's lives. So then that leaves us with 2,000 days, and he proceeded to continue to break those down and what we do with those 2,000. And the first thing was that on average, the American adult spends 900 plus days on their device, 900 plus days with technology. And as alarming as that, the average family spends 17 days in church. The challenge, the goal from that one was that we would put these down. We would get our heads out of our apps and we would instead engage in our kids. That we would hopefully flip the script. That we don't spend 900 days here, we're spending 900 days with our family and making an impact. And the week after glowing rectangles is where Pastor Mike came up and he actually talked about the synaptic pruning. But then Pastor Don came up again last week. And this is where he talked about having a God-centric life. And that is where you can actually find joy in the Lord. That you would instead replace your worry and your depression with prayer. Prayer of thanksgiving and prayer of praise. And that ultimately, if you are living a God-centric life, that you would find peace and contentment. And that lands us where we're at today. Catching us up to what I want to talk about with generational impact. And so I started with a statistic in which 66% two out of three young adults will become disconnected from church between the ages of 18 to 22 for at least one year or permanently. Grandparents, two out of three of your kids or your grandkids will disconnect from the church either permanently or for a temporary period of time. Parents, two out of three of your kids are going to disconnect from the church either permanently or temporarily. Young adults, your friends, your acquaintances, two out of three of them will disconnect from the church, either permanently or for a period of time. And I believe, I want to believe that there's some of you in here that you understand that with something like that, that there's a few choices we have when we're confronted with that type of knowledge, right? The first thing is, is that some of you maybe heard this statistic, Maybe you've heard it before, some, some variation of it, some iteration of it. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. But I, I want to be clear. If it's the first time or the seventh time you've heard it, I think it's important to understand that each time we hear something like that, it should punch us in the heart. This is something that would grieve our Heavenly Father, that our Heavenly Father does not desire. And if God does not desire it, then we as his children ought not to desire it. And if, it, if, if you do feel punching your heart. I, I, I want to say again that there are a few choices that we have with this knowledge, right? And the first choice, the first option I would, I would throw out there is maybe, maybe we should just throw in the towel. Maybe we should quit. You know what? We can just accept that there are going to be some people in their life and they're going to love Jesus. 
but that there's going to be others who just reject him. Maybe, maybe we can accept that there's people who are walking alongside Christ and they decide, you know what, I want to run away. I don't want any of this anymore. And if that's the case, you know what, why don't we just take all the finances, all of the resources that we have directed towards MVF kids and MVF youth, let's take all that, shift it over to our missionaries that we support. That's a good thing. Let's support our missionaries. And at the same time, let's talk to our volunteers, our kids volunteers and our youth volunteers and say, you know what? You need to get plugged into some adult ministry because two out of three, two out of three of the kids back in the kids department this morning, they're going to walk away. Two out of three of the youth that come on Monday and Wednesday night, they're going to walk away. And, and it's not worth it. We can just throw up our hands and say we gave it a go. A good time was had. Or that's option one. Or there's option two where I say we just maintain the status quo. Let's just keep things going as they are. Let's take a look at the fact that we have some MVF kids volunteers and some MVF youth leaders and they're doing a great job at what they're doing, right? Like the things that you hear from this stage on a Sunday morning, all those things that we hear about, all these spiritual disciplines, they, they sound good and at some point in my life I'd like to maybe apply them to my daily routine. I'm just not there yet. I'm, I'm comfortable and the same is true, I'm comfortable with how things are working in our children's and youth department. Let's just keep it the same. Let's keep the children's and the youth volunteers there. There's no sacrifice on my part at that point. What we're doing is good. What MVF is doing, they have a rhythm. There's a system and it works and it's working for me. Now, I, I want to believe I want to hope that there's some of you sitting in here right now that you're maybe quietly thinking through or you've nudged the person next to you that you're thinking, absolutely not. Option one, that's a hard no. There's no way we just throw up our hands and give up. But then, option two, maybe at least in a, a, a moment of weakness, I kind of... I kind of think that can work. I mean, it's working right now. Um, option two, again, we have, we have volunteers, I, I believe, because our kids aren't running in here yelling, and they, they, we send them here on Monday and Wednesday. So those, those people must be doing a good job. Option two, it sounds all right. Again, I'm comfortable with it. But that if you reflect on it for just a minute, and you pray, you might find that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, option two is no better than option one. And so I want to make a proposition or give you option three. And that is as a church family that we desire and we lean into making a generational impact on this generation and future generations. That we become a multi-generational church that has made impact for the kingdom. But here's the thing I propose. However, we cannot just say we want to make generational impact. We, we, we ought not to. We ought not to just sing the words, you are worthy of it all, for from you are all things, and to you are all things. It shouldn't just be vocalized. I think that we, to be a church that makes that generational impact, we have to do something. 
And I propose that there's at least three things that we need to do. And it's not, this is not exhaustive. There are other things, I'm sure, that can be done. But these are three things that I believe that if we do, that we could potentially see generational impact here at MVF. And the first would be for us to have generational impact that we're going to need to have some consistency. If you've been here throughout the entire series, you've had the challenge, whether some spiritual disciplines or some behavioral changes that you need to make, throughout each one of the ones leading up to this week were that if you were to apply those to your life, you would have seen some winning at home, hopefully. But early on, the actual challenge that we received was that we needed to first and foremost, foundationally, that we needed to have Jesus Christ in our everyday lives, that we would have invited him into our existence, that he is our Lord and our Savior, That was early on in the series. And the ways that that might look would be, have you surrendered to God? Have you been putting your trust, have you been putting your faith into Christ consistently? Are you allowing that restoration and that redemption from week one to overflow into your family and the relationships around you? Are you having a spiritual influence in the lives around you? And are you doing it consistently? Are you being intentional with your time in such a way that your children, your families, your spouse, your friends, that they see that you prioritize them over electronics? Are you spending quiet time to God? Are you again investing in your prayer life to again where your worry and your depression is dwindling away? Are you fixing your thoughts on those things that are true and honorable and pure and lovely and admirable? If we desire to be a church family that has generational impact, the spiritual disciplines that we hear through this series, the previous series, any upcoming series, those aren't meant to be a one-off. They weren't meant to be a mountaintop experience. So a case in point, when Pastor Don did the series on our glowing rectangles, it hit me. I, I know I spend more than enough time on this. And so I'm, I would imagine it hit some of you hard. And maybe you chose to go home and on Sunday evening or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, you said to the family, we're putting them down. We need to set them aside. We need to invest in our relationships. And you did that. Maybe you did it for a couple days, but then a few weeks later, you find that you're kind of just back to normal. You're back to the comfortable. So I'm saying that these things that we hear and learn up here, they're not meant to be a one-off or a mountaintop experience. They need to be our new normal. They need to be consistent. We consistently spend time with our God in his word. We consistently spend time with our God through prayer. We consistently invest in our relationships, every one of them. We have to make it who we are, consistently. So let's look at something from scripture that maybe helps bring this home about consistency. Everybody in here, I'm sure, is pretty familiar with Noah and the ark. Right? So God came to Noah and instructed him, you are to build an ark. Now that's no, that's no canoe, it wasn't a kayak, it wasn't this tiny ship. Right? God said, you are to build the ark. And for some of you in here, 
I know you've been to the Ark Encounter. Some of you have talked to me about it. So you've firsthand witnessed the massiveness, the awesomeness of this ship. God told him, he instructed it, Noah, the ark is to be built one and a half football fields in length. That's 450 feet. It is to be 50 feet high. And when you're done with the building, you need to then spread pitch over the entire thing. Theologians have concluded or maybe not concluded, but they've come up with a time frame of what it might have taken Noah to build the ark. And that is between 55 and 75 years. So let's break that down to days. Roughly 20,000 days to 27,000 days, Noah worked on the ark. Noah went and cut down gopher wood with whatever implements he had in 20,000 days. Noah took that wood and milled it into lumber in those 20,000 days. And then he took that lumber, nailed it together to fashion it into the ark in those 20,000 days, and finally lined it with pitch. It took consistency for Noah to save his family. Just like it's going to take consistency for us to save ours, not just here on this earth, but eternally. Noah bought when that storm came in Genesis, Noah bought over 40 days of life-saving protection with 20,000 days of consistency. Think through that for a minute. So let's not get tired of doing what is good, Galatians 6, 9. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up and be a family don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't give up. There's a generational harvest to reap if we keep after it. In order for us to have generational impact, it's going to take engagement. We're actually going to end up in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, by the time I get to the end of discussing engagement. So if you want to get ahead of me and pull up Romans 12, 4 through 8 on your app or through your Bible, um, feel free to do that. Engagement, you guys, what that simply means is we cannot sit on the sidelines while watching everybody else be engaged. We must lead by example. I believe actually that there's probably some of you in here, whether it's this morning or prior to this morning, there's been a time where the Holy Spirit was nudging you and telling you that you don't only want to make an impact in your own home. That instead, that you, you feel a yearning to also go and serve alongside God's family to make an impact generationally with God's family. What that could possibly look like is maybe for some of you it's being a coach you have some athletic knowledge in one of the fields and you say you know what I would like to maybe become a coach and there's opportunity for me to make generational impact with children who would get to see what a God-centric life looks like when I'm living out the joy that God has bestowed upon me the peace that God has bestowed upon me maybe it looks like you're a substitute teacher I see the ad in the paper all the time. They're looking for sub-teachers. With that, some of these kids may never have an encounter with a man of God or a woman of God who can display to them what their creator is like. 
Maybe for some of you, it could mean you're volunteering for MVF kids or MVF youth. And if, if you're interested in that, come talk to Darcy or, or myself. I know some of you, it could just look like being a spiritual parent. You're in a season of life where you just maybe have that margin to disciple someone younger than you. I also recognize that there's some of you in here that you're tapped out for time and you're tapped out for energy, but that God has amply supplied you with resources. And maybe as CIY rolls around next year, you find yourself asking, what, what does it actually look like to send the youth to CIY? I would love to see all the kids go, if possible, so that they can have that encounter with God that we've heard talked about from the stage. Maybe I'd like to send a handful of kids to CIY. Or possibly, you're finding yourself that, you know what, I'm ready to open my home as a life group leader. And again, if that's you, you need to talk to Pastor Mike about it. In our last series, we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? And I said that we were going to end up in Romans, and so that's where we will find ourselves here. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I think oftentimes in churches, there's the the idea that all the pastors and all the staff at the church, they're the ones with the gifts of the Spirit. They're the ones that should be doing the work. But as you guys learned if you were in our last series, that is, that is not the case at all. And as we just read out of Romans, it is not the case. That every one of us, if we've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and we've asked to receive the gifts of the Spirit, that we will receive gifts of the Spirit. But that we're to, that we're to as pastors and as the congregants, to take these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us and we're to put them together. We're to take them, to put them together to where we, we actually do a better job of exemplifying and modeling what our God looks like to a watching world. We're able to take these gifts and be more accurate representations of the hands and feet of God to the lives of those around us. So I say, let's continue to lean into the gifts of the Spirit. Those weren't meant to be a one-off in the last series either. It's a life change. Continue to lead into them to where we will consistently engage to make generational impact. And the third one, in order for us to have generational impact, it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require us to be consistent, it's going to require us to engage, and it's going to require us to have sacrifice. For some of you, that might mean sacrificing a few days of vacation to possibly sign up to be a volunteer or a leader at CIY next year. 
And for some of you here, this is second service. Um, it might mean skipping that extra hour of sleeping in on Sunday morning to come help an MVF kids. Or possibly sacrificing that Thursday night football game to open your home for families to come in for life group to enrich marriages and families. But, but whatever, whatever that sacrifice is for you, those are, again, just a few examples. You know precisely what God would be asking you to sacrifice. But whatever it is, our prayer is that you would gladly sacrifice that to make an impact in the next generation. Jesus never comes into anybody's life without there being sacrifice. For those of you that have surrendered to him, you're fully aware of it. You know that there have been sacrifices in your life that you've made. Mary and Joseph, they sacrificed their reputation when Jesus came into their life. The disciples, they sacrificed their livelihood, their jobs. They sacrificed their comfort and their dreams when Jesus came into their lives. God was willing to give his son and Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. Jesus is our supreme example. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom to many. Envia family, if we want to be a church that has generational impact, we need to be consistent, we need to be engaged, and we need to be sacrificial. Let me, let me wrap it up with this. I want to read from Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house it will collapse with a mighty crash. If we're going to make a generational impact, we need to be obedient. Jesus declared in that passage, do not simply be hearers of his word. We need to obey. And that that applies to, again, any message that you hear here from the stage on a Sunday morning, any podcast that you might have listened to, any small group that you've been a part of or Bible study, that those words that you hear, there's plenty of room and ample opportunity to hear God's word. There's no shortage of that. What I think there is a short of it is, is our obedience. Are we being obedient to the words that we hear Jesus speak? We need to do what Jesus says. If, if this is something that resonates with you. If this is something that, you know, that God has said, you know what? No, I want to be someone who at least desires and will be willing to work toward making generational impact. And, that, and this is just part of it. This whole series was a package deal. There were things that we learned throughout it that we desire to see espoused by those who call MVF home. But if you could find yourself surrendering to God and say, I want to see generational impact and I'm available for that, then I ask that you stand with me as we pray before we go into this last song.
Heavenly Father, all impact is made by you. We just need to be obedient children. May we, may we take the things that we hear, may we take the things that we allow to escape our mouth, may we take all these things, offer them up to you in a way that then you return them back to us and allow us to be a part of your kingdom impact that kingdom impact in our family, that kingdom impact in our relationships, the kingdom impact in ourselves, and the kingdom impact in generations. We pray, Lord, that we would give you all the glory, that we would give you all the honor when we have the opportunity to witness that happening. But we pray that we would remain obedient. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.